0: welcome back to the While We're Waiting, Hope After Child Loss podcast. I'm Jill Sullivan, your host and one of the co-founders of the While We're Waiting ministry. I'm so pleased to bring you another wonderful conversation today with my friends Bob and Justine King. We first met the Kings when they attended one of our While We're Waiting weekends here in Arkansas back in 2018. I hope you'll listen in as we talk about the suicide of their son Josh and the peace that passes all understanding that their Savior has given them in its aftermath. I'm thankful for their willingness to share their story with you today, and I believe you'll be blessed by it. Hi, Bob and Justine. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today.
1: Hello. Thank you for having us. Hi,
0: Joe. Hi. It's good to see you guys.
1: It's good to see you. I'm going to see you next in a couple weeks, too.
0: I know. We're looking forward to having you guys back here for uh, here at the Refuge to come be servers at our retreat in, in the first weekend of June. Yeah, we're looking forward to seeing you then. Yes. Yeah. So I always like to kind of start out these podcasts by letting my guests tell a little bit about themselves. So kind of tell us where you're from and what you do there. We live
1: in Wichita, Kansas. Um, I clean houses um, for a living. And
2: I work for the Sedgwick County. Uh, I was up in judicial or the court systems for about 10 years. Uh, currently, I am at the offender registration unit now where we register the offenders here for Sedgwick County.
0: Wow. All right. So how did the two of y'all meet and how long have you been married?
2: We met in the Navy. Um, out at ACU Five Camp Pendleton, I won't say didn't like me, but um, thought I was coarse, loud, obnoxious.
1: This is true. <laughs> and were
2: you? Um, I was young, so um, I'll go with that. Yeah, probably.
0: Right.
2: <laughs> I'm still loud and a little obnoxious, so I haven't changed.
0: So, how did you get past that?
1: You know, I I don't know. I just. I just roll with it, you know. And in in, in August we've been married um thirty years, so I just I just shrug my shoulders and roll my eyes a lot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it sounds like it's been working for you. So Yeah. Yeah, well good. So you have two sons, Jacob and Joshua. Uh tell us a little bit about Jacob, first of all.
1: Um, Jacob is our mini Bob. He's 26 years old, but uh, he is walking, talking Bob. Um, He um, was very athletic in high school, did a lot of um, sports, um, football, and he was a really good wrestler. Um, He's my quiet. um, I have to pull stuff out of him if I want to know anything kind of a kid, you know. Right. He's pretty, he's pretty laid back and chill, but he's, he's my sweet boy. Mm -hmm. And he lives at home, which is fine for me for the rest of his life. I don't care.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're enjoying that. I'm sure. Yes. Very good. So let's talk a little bit more about Josh in particular. Uh, Help us get to know him a little bit.
1: Oh, he was spirited from birth.
3: Hmm.
1: Um, he, he didn't sleep for a year. He, um, he just wanted what he wanted. He wanted me to hold him all the time and eat all the time. And, um, he just, uh, he just, he just knew what he wanted and that's it. You know, this is what I want and this is what I'm going to get. Um, Uh he was my, um, super, um, compassionate, um, Wears heart on his sleeve, kid. Um, you never had to wonder what he was thinking. Um, he, he just always knew. He's
2: really outgoing, loved kids.
1: Yes, um, oh gosh.
2: Was I, I guess I don't know how to really say it, but his friends really enjoyed him because he was the friend that you wanted. He would give you the mm-hmm. shirt off his back, mm-hmm. you needed help, he was there. You, you call him at any time, day or night. And if he could do anything to help you, he would do it.
1: He loved to play guitar and write songs and write poems. And, you know, he, he pretty much taught himself how to play the guitar. He took a few lessons, but um, he loved to sing. But he's yeah. <clears throat> a little tone deaf like his dad. And I <laughs> would just sometimes go downstairs and just stand at his door and listen to him strumming his guitar and just singing his heart out. He just loved to do that. He was just a a very caring child, you know, like always made sure I had Mother's Day gifts, always made sure I had birthday gifts. Um, I'll tell you one funny story. One Mother's Day, um, he had gone to the mall and, you know, they have those kiosks out in the middle. And he bought me a couple sundresses there. And he wrote out this big poem, and him and Jacob got in the dresses and put on music. They came in and they modeled the clothes, and Bob read off what they were wearing and stuff. It was just it oh was, my goodness, yeah, it was just a he was just crazy like that, just always doing crazy stuff, you know.
0: Yeah, sounds like he really was a just a big personality in your house. Yes. yes. Very much. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit about what was going on with Josh in the spring of 2017.
1: Um, Well, to start there, I I guess I need to go back um, to probably 2011. We had a friend of his, his mom had kicked him out of the house and he was living in his car. And Josh couldn't allow that, so he asked if he could stay at our house, and I'm like, okay, but he has to go to school because right. they hadn't graduated yet. You know, I should have asked the mom why why she kicked him out, which I didn't do, and that's probably my biggest regret. But turns out that the kid was into drugs, and um, to make a really long story short, the kid that lived with us got into some bad dealings with this other kid. And he was going to go over to this place and they were going to, I don't know what the kid wanted to get some money back or something.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Long story short, the kid that lived in my home happened to be um, high on meth. So they took him out of there and brought him home to our home where he lived and put him to bed. well, the main kid of that kept calling over to this place and telling the people, "Like we got him, we hurt him, boy, we messed him up really bad." They brought him home and put him to bed. Mm-hmm. And one of the girls that was over there got scared and called her grandma, and her grandma called the police. And to make a long story short, Josh got arrested for. Kidnapping and burglary, and all this stuff, and he didn't even go in the house. Wow, he didn't know that nothing. And so, in Kansas, I think everywhere, but kidnapping is a forever registerable offense. So, he had to register as a kidnapper for the rest of his life. Wow, for bringing a kid home that lived in our home. Mm-hmm. So all of that, you know, he suffered, you know, I mean, he did his probation, you know, he didn't, you know, he made it through his probation. He got off a year early because he, you know, did everything he was supposed to do. But, you know, when he was looking for like better jobs, you know, he kept getting these letters. This was, this was in the spring of 2017. Um, he had been applying for jobs with benefits and he kept getting all these letters in the mail saying, I'm sorry, due to your background, I'm sorry, due to your background, we can't hire you.
0: Mm, How discouraging.
1: Yeah. And it was, and and it was weighing on him. And, you know, God knew that that this was coming because he allowed me to have many conversations just the week that Josh passed. Um, You know, he, he told me, he said, mom, I'm, I'm trying to get a good job so that um, I can move out so that I'm not a burden to you and dad. And I would tell him, Bubba, like, you're not a burden, you know, like it's fine. You're fine. Like, it's okay. Um, And he was working at a hotel and he was working third shift a lot and he would come home from work and he said, mama, he said, I read seven books. And I said, oh my gosh. He said, why don't you take your Bible and read your Bible? Yeah. Yeah. He said, mama, he said, I love Jesus. He said, I may not have the same relationship that you have, but I love Jesus. And just a bunch of other things, you know, kind of, he said, mom, my, my anxiety is getting really bad. You know, he said, it's time. I, I really need to go see a doctor. And I said, yes. I said, you have good insurance. I said, go. He just didn't make it. Hmm. So that was probably not probably midweek about and then um, it was Easter weekend of 2017 and my birthday was on Saturday and um, he had come home from working third shift that morning. Um, my cousins from Arkansas were up and we all had breakfast together and then he went to, to lay down and, and sleep for the day and then we had a party um, that afternoon where all of my family came and we had the absolute best day. We had fun. We played games. We played that shut, shut, your, mouth. shut your mouth game <laughs> and he was on my team and I'm very competitive and, um, the, the mouthpiece kept popping out of his mouth and I'm like, Baba, come on, get that thing in your mouth. but you know, like we got to win, you know? Um, And we just, we had a great day and we got in bed that night and um, Bob said, did you have a good birthday? And I said, yeah, I think it was the best one in a really long time. Mm. Um, And then at the end of the day, he, he said, mama, one of my friends is sick. He said, can I make her a plate of food and take her food? And I said, yeah. So we helped him get a plate ready. Um, We took it over there. He picked up my nephew from the airport because he was dog sitting for him. And then he, you know, he said, I love you, mama. And he, you know, he said, happy birthday. And that's the last time I ever saw him. The next morning we got up um, for Easter morning church. And Bob had gone up to the garage and he, he found a, a bullet on the floor out there. And he was like, oh my gosh. And then he looked in, in his car and his gun was gone. So he called it in because we have the garage open all day and you mm-hmm. don't know if somebody can come in and out or whatever. So he called it in, um, to his work saying, you know, my backup is gone, you know, et cetera. So we were like, well, that's really weird. So we all got um, ready and went to church and Josh always come to church with us on Easter. And I said, you know, he wasn't home at the time. And I said, are you just going to meet us at church? And he never responded. And, So I'm just kind of like, okay, like, you know, what's going on. But the weird thing is, is that, um, the night before, you know, he was home, like my cousins, they both got up to go to the bathroom, probably, I don't know, one, two o'clock in the morning. And Josh was home. And they said, um, when they got up to go to the bathroom, he opened his door and they were like, Hey, Bubba, what's up? You know, or Hey, buddy. And, um, They said that he just, he didn't respond. He didn't say anything to them. It was just like he, it's like he had checked out. And now I know that, um, like he knew what he was planning to do. And so, and then they told me that and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, he was on drugs. Like, you know what, you know, but we had to wait three months for the autopsy report to come back. And he did not have any drugs in his system. So then I was like, well, do I want him to have drugs in his system, you know, or not? Because then if not, that just means that he was that sad and miserable that, you know, so it was kind of either answer wasn't going to be good, you know? So anyway, we came home from church. We all ran downstairs, all of us. And he was in the shower. He was alive, taking a shower. I went in his room and was looking around like for the gun or whatever. And Bob, you know, pounded on the door and he said, Bubba. And Josh said, yo. And he said, you need to come out. But let me, let me tell you how good God is Jill. First of all, God knew that this was going to occur this day. Yeah. This is where I get emotional. <laughs> um, he sent my cousins who live in hot springs, by the way, he sent them, up here that weekend. Because he knew that we couldn't do that on our own. And uh, I had to go to the bathroom so bad that I ran upstairs. um, And as I was coming out of the bathroom, I heard a big commotion. And my cousin, um, she runs up the stairs and she said, Justy, call 911. And I said, is my son dead?" And I just pushed her out of the way and I ran down the stairs. My other cousin, Jimmy, he was down there and um, Bob just kicked in the door of the bathroom and then he went away and um, and they, they took care of everything, you know, because if I would have been down there and not had to use the restroom, I would have went into that bathroom. And, um, I would have seen him, but they wouldn't let me, they wouldn't let me through. And this is a funny story I can say now, but we had just got home from church. I was in my Easter dress and my, um, and my heels or whatever. And I was trying to get to the bathroom to my son when my cousin, Jimmy, he wouldn't let me through. So he kind of tackled me on the ground. And I was kicking and my dress kept coming up. and He just kept pulling it back down and I kept kicking and he kept pulling it back down. We laugh about it now, but, um, anyway, so, um, they were kind of holding me down. They wouldn't let me back. And, um, I told my cousin, I said, go, go check on my boy.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And she went in there and she said, Justy, she said, it's not like, it's not like what you think or what you see in the movies. She said he was like just laying in a fetal position, like he was just at peace. Mm. And then that was it. Easter Sunday, you know, what a day to decide to do that, you know? And I don't, we ask the questions all the time. Like, why would he do it that day? Why, why at that time, you know, maybe he knew that they were here, that they would take care of us and that we wouldn't have to be alone. He did it in the shower so we wouldn't have to clean up a mess. Even though he was doing what he was doing, I think he was still thinking about us. Mm-hmm.
0: So, Yeah. Well, you said he was a very caring person who always made sure he took care of his mama. And I'm sure his dad, too. And uh, he probably did think about those things. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've heard Joshua's story a few times now. Um, at different retreats and events that you guys have been at. And I'm, I'm always touched by it. Um, it's, it's so hard for me to imagine you know, what you guys went through in that moment. Um, but I love that you acknowledge that God was already preparing you guys for what was mm-hmm. about to happen and, and surrounding you with people who could kind of take you under their wing and, and walk through this with you.
1: Like he cares about the littlest, you know, like, and that's what got me emotional earlier. Is like to think like he knew, he knew ahead of time and he sent them to be here to take care of us, you know, yeah. I don't know. It just blows my mind still, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, and I love too that he gave you all such a good day together that day before. The best. Mm-hmm. So do you feel like, you know, as parents that have lost a child to suicide, uh, do you feel like there are issues that um, that complicate the grief journey or make it even more difficult than any other type of loss?
2: I think uh, suicide—it's uh, kind of like accidents because it's sudden. It's not there's no preparing, if you will, um, just like an accident. There's no way to prepare that. Hey, your you know son daughter was in an accident. So I think. Um, that's always a uh, a forefront um, for that grief uh, journey. Also, the, uh, a big thing to me in my mind was the stigma that's associated with suicide, such as um, you know they're going to hell, mm-hmm. um, right? They they think the easy way out. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. there's just a plethora of things out there about suicide.
0: Yes, that are false.
2: Yeah. And I, and I won't lie. I mean, I, I, I used to say some of those things back when I was a younger person, younger you know kid as it were. But, um, and then you also got some of the religious aspects that, you know, think that if you suicide, then you're not going to heaven.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Did I doubt that he would go to heaven? No, but I, I am so appreciative that he had that week before that he was talking to Justine because, uh, that was my forethought is, you know, her and her, my other son, Jacob, you know, that's what I was worried about in the beginning was them too. So I'll let you.
1: Well, I was just going to add, um, Josh also had um, two very bad concussions um, in a, the few years prior. And he would always say, mom, like I, you know, like, you know, my, my brain, my TBI, you know, he would always say stuff and I'd be like, okay. But the more I've learned about the concussions and the effects that it can have, I do feel like that was an added, you know, to feeling worthless to feel like my life is never going to mean anything. I'm never going to be able to raise a family and, um, and take care of them because I can't get a good enough job. You know, I'm, I'm nothing, you know, on top of having those concussions, I feel like that, that probably played, um, a part as well, you know, and as much as I told him how amazing he was, you know, I'd always tell him, Joshua, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I said, a piece of paper does not define you. And then he would walk away and I'd say, Bubba, what are you? I know I know I'm the righteousness of God Jesus I know mom I know you know right. so I just think and, and I think the enemy had such a control over his mind that he was all those things that Josh he just he just couldn't see past it and you know mental illness and I don't I hate the word that you use mental illness because I mean he he had depression and anxiety and I guess you say that's mental illness but but you wouldn't know, like, by looking at him, I mean, he was happy. He was always helping. He was always going. I mean, so I knew that he had the depression and the anxiety. Um, so, and I think for a lot of people who lose their children to suicide, a lot of them don't get to know that. They don't get to know why. I feel like I know why. So, am I surprised that it happened? No. Am I shocked at the timing? Yes. Um, He was really dealt um, an unfair hand. And I think a lot of it was because because Bob is a cop and the DA was going to prove just because your dad is a cop, I'm not, you know, I'm going to throw the book at you even harder. Mm -hmm. He should have been in trouble. Absolutely. For being stupid enough to go in the car. OK, I'm not saying that he shouldn't have been punished, but to have that lifetime label on him, like I, I, I don't even want to say I blame him.
0: Yeah, that's a tough thing for a young man to have to deal with. For sure. We had a dad one time that was at one of our retreats that had lost his son to suicide. And he he said this, and it's always stuck with me. He said, my son made two big decisions in his life. One decision was to follow Jesus as his savior another decision was to take his own life. And he said, the second decision did not negate the first decision. And I thought that is such a perfect way to say it. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: You know, when, when Jesus died on the cross, he died for all of our sin. You know, when we accepted him, that it erased all of our sin. I know that there's that stigma out there that those who die by suicide don't go to heaven, but you know, that is just not true. It's not biblically true.
1: You know, and when people say that's the easy way out, well, until you've been in depression, you don't know. Right. You know, I have had a, a little bout of depression, you know, um, after and I had to, you know, go on a little medicine for just a little bit. And I know how I felt just for that. And like, you cannot get out of it unless you're healed or unless you get on the proper medicine. So nobody has ever said that to me, but if they did, it would probably be the last thing they ever said to me.
2: (laughs) She would Facebook
1: different.
0: That's why they couldn't talk to you anymore because you would just defriend them on Facebook. That's right. (laughs) So people a lot of times feel awkward around a parent that has lost a child for any reason. You know, um, we're kind of scary people to be around and, and people don't know what to say to us. And, and I imagine that's even more true when a child dies by suicide. And I know there are a lot of people who listen to this podcast, not because they themselves have lost a child, but they love someone who has lost a child and they want to know how to help. So what what were some of the most helpful things that people said or did for you guys after Joshua went to heaven?
1: I'm going to tell you what it was Easter Sunday and there was three guys from our church, Michael, Barry and Mark. They were at this house in two minutes. Wow. After they finally let me out of my room, after they were trying to find out if I had lost my mind or not. Um, they, they took me to my mom's, but they stayed here and they stayed with Bob and my brother was here and they, they stayed with Bob until the, um, the coroner took Josh away. And mom my, um, my friend Barry, he took home the shower curtains and he washed them all up for us. Michael and Mark, they stayed and they um, they cleaned up the bathroom they like did a cSI cleanup so that when we returned home that we would not have to know that anything happened in our house
3: and oh, wow
1: yes and a, and then um because Bob broke the door another friend came over um and um, replaced the door frame for us. People were at our house from eight a m until ten o'clock every night um just bringing us food. What do you need? What do you need? My brother pretty much took care of the whole funeral for us. He just said, Justy, what do you want? What do you want?" I mean, they took that burden off of us. Um, my girlfriends came and cleaned my house because they knew that I was going to have company coming. Um, so this this is one thing that really bothers me when when somebody posts something on Facebook because you know that's our world, social media. My yada, yada past. Oh, hey, let me know if you need something. Come on. And I, I just want to say, and I did post that right before Josh's four anniversary. This is what I've learned. Yes. Do not say, Hey, if you need something, let me know. If you feel led to do something, just do it. They know parent going to ask you, You know, we don't know what we need. Right. You want to, one of my friends, Rita, brought me stamps, like a ton of stamps for thank you notes. I didn't even think of such a thing.
0: Wow. Very practical.
1: Yes. Just, and you know, I think people don't have to say anything. If they just come and sit with you, that means a world because I don't expect anybody to know what to say. You I mean, just come, just go to that person and just sit with them and let them cry. You don't have to even talk to them. But just showing up is is huge. Yeah. And Bob's work, they all came and they all collected money and just I, I just cannot I'm still I still get cards and flowers. still four years later, I still get stuff from people you know, Mm -hmm. and I just think, wow, you haven't forgotten my son, you know, thank thank you. That, that means a lot. Mm -hmm. It means
0: more than anything else, doesn't it?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: I would agree that just being there, um, you don't have to say anything. You just being there means the world to, well, I know it to us um, because there are no words a lot of times uh, as far as the As she was saying, the actions, yeah, just do it. If you feel led to mow their yard, mow it. Um, There doesn't have to be a certain thing. I mean, some people brought over paper plates and paper forks and stuff. Paper forks, I'm sorry. We had toilet paper (laughs)
1: for 10 months.
2: (laughs) But But it's just the little things that, like that that you don't think of that you go through and use that it it was – it's amazing how people think outside the box sometimes. Yeah. Let's put it that way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Bringing stamps is one of the best ideas I think I've heard because that's just. I didn't have to buy one stamp. <laughs> yeah. You know, and a lot of times after you've lost a child, just having those staples like the the paper plates and plastic forks and toilet paper and things like that. It's so hard to even go to Walmart. Because you just feel so fragile and and raw, and it's just hard to even go out in public. So to have all of those things where you don't even have to step foot into a store, really helps.
1: Mm-hmm. We were just blessed beyond what we could have ever what we could have ever imagined. People just have blessed us, and they keep blessing us.
0: Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. That's good to hear. So, um, are there any particular scriptures that have helped you on this uh, grief journey that you've kind of turned to? I'll go
2: first because mine's short and sweet. <laughs> um, to pick out a certain verse, no, I don't I don't have one. What I what I thoroughly enjoy is um a couple of years ago, uh, I picked up my Bible yet again for for first time in a long time and uh decided to start reading it and um I ended up, for whatever reason, I ended up going to Joshua first and was reading uh, about the wall, the Jericho, and things. Yeah. And uh, that Sunday at church, uh, the pastor, guess what he preached on? Yeah. So it's just little things like that that makes you feel, hey, at least I'm doing something right because I'm getting confirmation. Right. So that I that's what I like.
1: Mm-hmm. I have several. <laughs> <laughs> The first one is Isaiah 57.1. Um, and it says the righteous perishes and no man takes to heart. Merciful men are taken away while no one considers that righteous is taken away from evil. And some versions say taken away from the evil that is to come. And I have never been um, angry at Josh. I've never been angry at God. Um, I honestly feel And I don't know if this is right or wrong, but I honestly feel like the Lord let him come, like he rescued him. And my aunt, um, she's just passed on last year, but, um, she's a very godly woman and she had a, a vision, um, that my cousin sent me. And she said that she, and she didn't even know Josh, um, But she said she had a vision of that the Lord showed her that her husband and her son that had passed away were at um, right at the gates and they were welcoming Josh into heaven. So never have I ever felt I've I've had immediate peace, you know, the peace that passes all understanding. I have had that peace. I'm not saying that it's easy, but I have that peace that I know that he is okay. And there's nothing worse than to watch your child hurting, as you know, and not be able to do anything about it. And um, so I feel—I just feel like the Lord rescued him. Um, so that's one. And of course, Romans 8, 28 has always been um, our, our family staple verse. All things work together um, for those that love. Jesus and our called according to his purpose and all things are going to work together. Um, the, the day of Josh's funeral, um, I'll tell you just a quick little story. Yeah. The day of Josh's funeral, um, they were getting ready for Saturday night service in the gym and this guy had wandered in the gym and he didn't know how he got there. He didn't, he just showed up and he asked to talk to our youth pastor. And so Bryce got to talk with him and he said that he had been walking around with um, suicidal ideations all day that he had wanted to take his life. And he said he didn't know how he ended up at our church, but he just went there. So Bryce was able to share Jesus with him that day. And so after that, Bryce took him home to where he needed to go. He walked miles, like miles, and he just happened to walk into our church.
0: Wow. Yeah, that sounds like a divine appointment for sure.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, just stuff like that. Um, you know, joy comes, um, pain may last, you know, through the night, but joy comes in the morning. Yeah. Um, he makes beauty for ashes. Yeah. Um, I'm trying, I'm trying to look these up really quick. Um, <laughs> I have a lot, but um, yeah,
0: well, those are some good ones.
1: Joy can um, come in the morning, you know, and it's not—it's not an easy thing. And I know a lot of people say to me, um, "How do you do it? Like, how? I mean, I—how do you do it?" And it's the peace that passes all understanding that can only come from God. And a lot of people who lose people to suicide, their mission is suicide awareness, suicide awareness. You know, that's not my mission. You know, I believe that we need to have that, but that is that is not what, my, what I feel like the Lord has made my mission. My mission is to point um, people to Jesus. If you can look at me and know my story and our story and wonder how we're standing here today, and you don't believe that there's a God, like, hello. You know, that's just what I try to do, you know.
3: Absolutely.
1: Point people to Jesus and let them know that there's hope. And, you know, no matter how horrible your circumstances are and what you've been through, like, He has never left us, He has never forsaken us, He has carried us. You know, I've always told Bob, like, there's no way I would ever. Ever survive the loss of a child? There's no way, because nobody loves our kids as much as I love mine. You know, you know how we <laughs> yes, all are. We all feel that way, yeah. <laughs> yes. And I just said there was no way I would ever survive the loss of a child. But I'll tell you what, God has showed up big and mighty, and um, there's no way I would be here today if it wasn't for His His grace and His mercy that He shows us every day.
0: Amen. Thank you for that. So it's been about four years, right? Uh, Since Josh went to heaven. And so I want you to kind of think back to the early days of your grief. What would you say or what advice might you give to someone who is, who is right at the beginning of this journey?
2: I would probably tell them, and I don't know which way to put it first, It's either it doesn't get any easier, but it does get better, or it don't get any better, but it does get easier. I mean, six and one and a half dozen the other, I mean, yeah, that first couple of years seemed rough. Uh, The third year wasn't bad. The fourth year for us, for whatever reason, was a little rougher. Um, And I think everybody's got their own path. And, you know, some people may have – of course, we know people that just – it's very hard every day, and it's been five, six years. And then there's other people that, I won't say kind of like us, but kind of like us, where after, I won't say year two, it wasn't that it was easier, but I think we were coping with it a lot better. And then that's obviously the second year, I think, is when we met you all. And um, the third year, we're, we're part of the little tree, as it were now.
1: Yeah. We have had um, probably five or six new people um, at our group just in the last six months, maybe. And, you know, they come in and they, they say, I'm losing it. Like, my advice is you're not losing it. You are exactly where you need to be. You know, you're going to have a good day and then you might have some bad days and then you might be okay. And then you're going to be back, you know, in a bad way, but that's normal. You're not losing your mind and you just need to give yourself grace and go with it. You know, if you need to take a day and stay in your bed, take a day and stay in your bed. You know, there's no right or wrong way to grieve. And you have to do what works for you. And don't let anybody tell you, because my friend told me this, no one's ever said this to me, thank goodness, but, oh, it's been two years. Oh, it's been four years. Don't you think you should be over it by now? Well, I don't ever want you to lose a child, but why don't you tell me how you feel if you've lost a child? So I think, you know, you know what I'm saying?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I do. I do.
1: Just take it one day at a time and, you know, just rely on Jesus, because if you don't, you're not going to make it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the key, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. So you mentioned your group. You guys lead our while we're waiting support group there in Wichita. So if someone were to come and visit your group, what what would they find? What would they experience there? A bunch of hot messes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we have,
1: um, we have a good group of people, um, really just down to earth. Um, lay it all out there, you know, I mean, they all just tell it like it is.
0: Yeah. No filters. You don't have right.
2: some of them have no filter. Yes.
1: yeah, <laughs> That's good. You know, like that's right. That we're there for, you know, like to mm-hmm. support and, um, and just everybody, you know, it just—it feels comfortable to open up and share. And um, we have some pretty awesome people. Sad that we had to meet them that way, but we have some pretty amazing people in our group.
2: And I would agree. I would. I would hope that they would find a uh, a close group to lean on and to learn from, if they come into our group. I hope that's what they see.
0: Um, I heard someone say the other day, you know, you said, well, we're all hot messes. And yeah, I totally get that. But I heard somebody say the other day, you know, you're not a mess. You're dealing with a mess. And I thought, you know, that's that's pretty good because we sure sometimes can feel like we're a mess (laughs) as bereaved parents. And maybe sometimes we are, but we're dealing with a mess. And so that's why that's why we can feel that way so often. You know, one of the hardest questions that parents have to answer um, a lot of times is when people ask them, how many children do you have? It seems like it comes up as part of nearly every conversation. When you meet somebody new or you start a new job or talking to somebody on an airplane, they want to know how many children do you have? How do y'all respond to that question?
1: Always two. Mm. Always. Depending
2: on who it is, depends on how I answer Um You know, but yeah, the answer is usually two, or I'll just Mm -hmm. look at them and go, Well, I have two children, but you know, one's not here and one is, you know, Mm -hmm. or something along those lines. But a a lot of it, yeah, depends on the mood.
0: And sometimes it depends on how much of an ongoing relationship you're going to have with that person, you know, how much you really want to talk to them about it, you know, that can make a difference too. Yeah.
1: One day I was wearing, we have some Memorial t-shirts with Josh's picture on it. And we had, we're having a life group at our house one night. And this guy, he was kind of newer he didn't really know us. He came up, he goes, ah, Hey, who's that guy? I said, that's my son, Josh. Um, I said, um, he passed away, you know, a couple of years ago. And he said, yeah, what happened?
0: Yeah. That's a question nobody should ever ask. You know, they just shouldn't
1: ask. Oh, but I'll talk about Josh to anybody who wants to listen. So, you yeah, know, we want to talk about our kids. Everyone else talks about their kids. Why can't we talk about ours?
0: Yeah, that's one of our favorite things to do is talk about our kids, the ones that are here with us and the ones that, that are waiting for us in heaven. So what have you learned about God through this experience?
1: <sighs> I have learned that that I am nothing. I am a broken, wretched nothing without him and I I wouldn't I wouldn't not be here myself if it not for the the grace and mercy of of God um, that I have no control over anything that God's ways are not my ways and his plans are not my plans and apart from him, I can do nothing. I am nothing. You know, people always say to me, you are so amazing. Oh my gosh, you're amazing. I'm like, no, I am not. I am nothing. But it's Jesus in me that is allowing me to to be who I am today. And I, I couldn't do this life without him. I wouldn't want to. And I just thank him and I just thank him every day. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you that you love me enough to not, you know, throw me to the trash when I have horrible days, you know?
0: Absolutely. How about you, Bob? What have you learned about God?
2: Well, a couple of things. One, like she was saying that he's still there. He still loves us. Um, we just need to move back toward him. I know a lot of us get angry and upset. Uh, I also know that, some of us blame god Uh, not that we do but i'm just in general um but i think it was probably put best uh we were just recently at a a friend of ours who just celebrated their one year uh heaven and a good friend of ours him and his wife uh, he passed Uh, one of the pastors said that uh, the story was the dad and the kid were Uh, out in the yard playing and he points up to the sky and he asked his, uh, son, what do you see up there? And he said, a plane. And, uh, I guess, you know, he was wondering, you know, how, you know, how big does it look? He goes, well, it's tiny. So he takes him to the airport and he goes, well, what's that? He goes, well, it's a plane. He goes, well, how big is it now? You know, and it's huge. It's a jet plane. And he goes, you know, that's kind of the way we are with God. If he's far away from us, he doesn't seem all that big. But when we're close to him and everything, then he's a lot larger and in charge. So I think it's a perspective type thing. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: And I feel like I had to make a decision immediately in the beginning. Am I going to let this destroy me or am I going to allow God to do his work? Because. You know, it, it's a 50-50, like you could go either way. But I know right. that the enemy's purpose is to destroy us, to destroy me, to destroy my family. And he th- he thought by taking, you know, my most precious earthly treasure one of my children was going to destroy me. But I'm here to tell you and I'm here to show him that he is not going to win. And I will see my son again soon, very soon, I hope.
0: Amen. Yeah, I know that's one thing that really changed for me is that just that longing for heaven, you know, uh, before Hannah went to heaven, I just really didn't think about heaven that much to tell you the truth. And now, you know, it's some—it's a place I really look forward to going when it's my time. It makes this life much more, um, I don't know, bearable, I guess you might say, when you know you've got that to look forward to. How do you feel like Josh's homegoing has changed you?
2: Wow. Um, Well, I I guess I'd honestly say I don't know where we'd be if both kids were still here. Um, You know, because our our whole life would be different. We wouldn't have met you. We wouldn't be doing the support group. We, you know, would we have not gotten closer to God? I mean, it's, you know, we can go a lot of what ifs. the bad, I guess, the. it's going to sound bad, but I think it was for the better.
3: Mm.
2: Um, changed me for the better.
0: Yeah, yeah. I,
2: and it sounds terrible, but it's, it's probably true.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I don't think that sounds terrible at all. Yeah, how about you, Justine?
1: My give a darn is busted. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, and I've heard other people on this podcast say um, this too, but... Um, I've never been like a a drama person or anything like that, but I have zero tolerance for stupid. I have Mm. zero tolerance for drama, um, people complaining about their children or like, hello, it has changed me Has brought me closer to the Lord. I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I don't care what people say about me. I don't care what they say about my son's death. My purpose and care only is what does God think about me? Mm
3: -hmm.
1: And what am I doing to live well while I'm waiting to get to see my son? You know, I'm going to have peace in my life. And I just, I just, I don't want anything that's going to disrupt that. You know what I mean? Like I have a very, heaven focused like let's go like come on i want I want to get out of the shack in heaven I want I want to live in a condo <laughs> <laughs> I know that's crazy but um, I just don't have any tolerance for a lot of
0: junk mm. so you're saying really your focus has just changed from what the world kind of tells us is important to what is eternally important to me that sounds like yes. what you're saying yeah, and like Bob was saying, you know, that kind of change is for the better. I mean, that's really the way we probably and I'm I'm including myself in this, should have been living before or should have been my attitude before. And um, you know, it really wasn't until after Hannah went to heaven. So, yeah, I mean, I I can see how the loss of a child can change you for the better as long as you are focused on the Lord, you know, and that's, and that's your desire is to uh, grow in the Lord through this experience. And I can see that in you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, and you, you said you kind of brought out our whole theme there is living well while we're waiting to see our children again one day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I tell everybody, you know, everyone who comes to group, like you, you have to sign up for a retreat. You have to sign up for a retreat, like it's the most amazing, peaceful place, and you guys are amazing down there. And you just treat everybody like kings and queens for the weekend. And um, we're so thankful. And that I love that my whole family lives in Hot Springs, so I can come there extra too. Um, yeah. But um, we're just so grateful for you guys and um, the ministry that you and Brad and Larry and Janice have created because it's amazing.
0: Yeah, well, we always say we're the ones who get the biggest blessing from it. You know, we love getting to meet people like you all and hearing stories like Josh's story and just seeing how God works in people's lives. Uh, You know, we have a front row seat to that. And that's that's a pretty amazing thing we have had some people come to our retreats that have come because they said, you know, Bob and Justine told us we had to come. <laughs> oh, yay. So we've, we have enjoyed getting to know them as well. So, well, thank you all for coming on. Is there anything else you want to add before we go? Well,
2: just, uh, just keep pushing forward, I guess.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Just, mm-hmm. If you're listening and you've lost a child, don't give up hope. Um, just hang on tighter you know that god wants he wants to bless us he wants to prosper us you know and i think that we just got to hang on to hope
0: hanging on to hope that pretty well summarizes it yeah all right well thank y'all for coming on for sharing your story and just sharing you know just some some really encouraging words with us today
1: Thank you so much for asking. We
0: enjoyed to be able to talk about our son. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. We hope it brought you some comfort and encouragement today and maybe made you feel a little less alone on the journey. Please subscribe so you'll never miss an episode and and maybe leave us a rating in iTunes to help others find the podcast. Again, we're glad you spent a few minutes with us today. It's a blessing to walk beside you as we seek to live well while we're waiting.